Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to A Positive Perspective Podcast. This is your host, Erlen Martinez. And today I have a great friend of mine. Um, his name is Steve Kinsler. Mr. Kinsler, or oh, I like to call him Steve, actually. Um, he works <laughs> in the mortgage industry. And um, he's a, a great, great person. Um, but it's most what's most important to me is that I know him uh, as a human being, as a person. And he's one of the most beautiful people that I know just in terms of like how he handles himself and I've always wanted to interview him because he I feel like you know he has so much expertise in the mortgage industry so Mr. as I said I won't that's my dad's name Mr. Kinsler I'll call you Steve Steve uh, (laughs) welcome to the podcast uh and uh if you I'll let you you know introduce yourself let the guests know or the people know who you are um and what you do Hey, thanks, Arlen. So, uh, yeah, my name is Steve Kinsler, and I'm with a company called Element Funding. Uh, we are the vision of uh, Primary Residential Mortgage, uh, which is like the 17th largest mortgage company in the country. Uh, so I have, uh, I have three kids, two grandkids, live in Lake Norman area, been in Charlotte since um, 1984, um, lived in the Lake Norman area since 1992, and I've actually been in banking um, uh, or banking related for 35 years. Nice. So, do you consider yourself almost a native Charlatan, Charlatanian by now? I'm assuming. Uh, I don't know because uh, <laughs> I grew up in Pittsburgh. Uh, <laughs> the Steelers are my number one team. <laughs> And so I don't know if it means that I'm not a native Charlottean if Panthers are number two on my list. So, Got it. yeah, but I've, I've seen a lot of changes here in this town. Um, but how does the growth, you know, has impacted the mortgage industry here in Charlotte? Oh, my goodness. So, obviously, you know, the, um, you know, <clears throat> As as we're as we're recording this podcast, you know, there's there's a lot going on right now. But prior prior to that, I mean, there are about a hundred people per day moving here to Charlotte. Yeah. So obviously, this has been a uh, uh, an amazing uh, time of growth um, over the past twelve years, actually, since the since the financial crisis. Um, you know, a- after the financial crisis, which almost took down the city. Um, the, the, the town has done an amazing job reinventing itself, attracting new industry, which attracts new people, um, to this area specifically, um, and, and especially over the past, uh, four or five years, uh, the millennials, um, in the millennials see the opportunity here, um, just a lot of companies that are, have hired millennials. And you have millennials moving here before they even have a job. Um, I'm one of those. Yeah, there you go. And, and know, that, know that there's a lot of opportunity. And look at you, man. Yeah, <laughs> you, you've thrived. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. You know, I definitely want to pick uh, uh, on a lot of the things that you just said, uh, just because, yeah, I don't know when, you know, the guests, or I always like to, I don't know why I say guests, but when the, uh, people are listening to this podcast, you know, just to let you know, right now it is March 23rd. Um, we're kind of like, I personally feel like it's in the peak uh, or that it's about to take off, I should say, um, this virus that's going on right now. Um, and, you know, everyone's at home. 
And uh, you, I, you definitely brought up a few or kind of like two different perspectives that I, or I should say three, uh, three different perspectives I wanted to talk about throughout this podcast, just because there's kind of a before, a during and an after, um, which I would love to talk kind of across the, the podcast, um, you know, before this kind of virus or crisis, I don't know how you want to call it, uh, during the, the virus and after the virus. So, um, you know, I just definitely want to get some of your thoughts on that. Um, but before we jump into all those heavy questions, how did you jump into the mortgage industry or why? Yeah, so, um, you know, like I said, I've been in uh, banking since um, 1984, and the mortgage mor mortgages have been threaded throughout my whole career. So, you know, I was uh, with a, a big bank here for many years called First Union that then turned into Wachovia and then became uh, Wells Fargo. You know, during a, during a period of time and all throughout my career, I was um, either a business banker, uh, a retail worked in capital markets and um but again threaded throughout the my, my my whole career there's always been the mortgage um and even back in 1986 and 87 uh you know when you're working with retail public and part of your product offering is um you know financing homes you know i i was doing that but i was also doing other things as well like doing business loans for them. So back, back in the day, you know, you, you wore many hats. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, my most recent stint was with a small community bank. I was, I was there for about like six years and we were part of a, a, a great turnaround of that bank. And, and when I finished that, I just wanted to, um, I, I really leaned into the mortgage industry um, I never had the guts to do it just because it has its ups and its downs. Mm -hmm. and, uh, anyways, I just thought it was a good time to, to lean into it uh, on a full-time basis and, mm -hmm. and use an element funding as my place. So, uh, and I'm here for many reasons, just because of the culture, um, and also because of the people uh, which make up the culture, yeah. and, um, and, and it fits and it fits me very well. It has a, uh, a boutique feel to it, meaning we can adjust and turn on, turn on a dime. Uh, we're, we're, we're the vision of a big company, but our division is, is autonomous and we make our decisions and we can do things quickly. So I'm, I'm, you know, I've been here about two, two and a half years and absolutely loving it. Nice, nice, nice. Absolutely love to hear that. And, um, you know, moving a little bit forward now to today, um, you know, this couldn't come at a perfect time. So you did mention that you were already in the mortgage industry uh, on the last, well, on the recession in 2008, right? Yeah, that is correct. Unfortunately, yeah, I was, uh, I was in the mortgage world then. Um, and, and I quickly got back out of it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it was a, it was a different feel than what's, what's happening right now. In 2008, whenever we had a downturn, mm -hmm. it was a downturn that was created by, um, that, that caused the real estate bubble. Um, and it was, a lot of it was caused by uh, some issues in the financial industry. Um, those, those issues were, were mitigated, taken care of, and you know there, there wasn't solid credit practices uh, I believe before 2008, 
since then, the, the, the credit underwriting and the credit practices among its lenders has been extremely solid. So, um, you know, what, what's happening now has nothing to do with the, the, with the quality of credit or real estate. Um, it, it, what's happening right now, as a matter of fact, right before all this happened with the virus, we were in one of the healthiest real estate markets ever. Mm-hmm. And here, especially here in Charlotte, we right. were, uh, I mean, it, we, we were going to have an amazing, uh, spring and summer buying season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, one, one of our industry experts, you know, said whenever things like this happens and you're, you're leaving the situation to where it's on an upswing, then all of a sudden you have the big dip. And when the dip is done, then you tend to pick up where you left off. So that's what we're hoping for, you know, after this is all over, that we pick up where we left off. I, I, I see no reason why. I mean, why not? And, uh, you know, hopefully people can get back to work and, and, and fill the jobs again. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things I want to uh, talk about is you, you talk about before the during and the after, or you kind of talk about it. From uh, like if I was a client, um, how does that affect me? Well, I wanted to ask what, how did, how is everything affecting you as, a, as we speak and how as a client is, you know, the, the, is this a, a good time to buy? Should someone wait? What are kind of your thoughts on that? Right. Well, I think the, the big thing right now is uh, um, the misinterpretation of the communication that the, that the, um, that the news is putting out there. Um, and, but it has nothing to do with what the news, the news is just putting it out there, but mm-hmm. um, people are misinterpreting it. For example, this past Sunday, um, um, the, the, actually the Sunday before last, you know, the, the, the Fed um, to help with the stimulus, um, mm-hmm. the Fed funds rate um, down to zero to 0.25%. Right. That has, people thought that that, that was mortgages and it's not. Um, that's actually uh, the Fed funds rate. The Fed funds rate is the rate that they charge uh, banks in a large um, um, to, to borrow money. And so um, what that does is then change the, the, the prime rate, the Wall Street Journal prime. So that lowered the prime. And the prime is what car loans, credit cards, and equity lines are based off of, and also some business loans as well. So, but the other thing the Fed did, so, so no, interest rates did not go down to 0%. But the other thing that did to help stimulate the, uh, the mortgage side of things was to um, uh, entice people to buy more treasuries. Well, that did not happen. The, the, the treasury, the 10-year treasury, is what um, uh, the mortgages are based off of. Um, the 10-year treasury is like a, a leading indicator and followed by the 30-year mortgage-backed security. Well, <clears throat> that, that didn't go over very well. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, it, it sent a message out there that the, the Fed's doing everything they can to help the market, mm-hmm. but the market isn't responding. And it's not responding because there's just still a lot of uncertainty and a lot of fear. Right. Um, a mortgage-backed bond. Uh, the treasuries, they're a bond. And those are usually safe 
um, bets. Those are usually safe places to put money. Whenever you see people take money out of the stock market, they normally put it into the bond market. And other bonds, like mortgage-backed securities, are bought up, which cause mortgage rates to go down. Well, in this case, it didn't happen. So that, that's, that was the biggest thing. So right now, there's a lot of volatility and uncertainty in regards to mortgage rates. Right. As I'm, and, and so the biggest thing I'm doing right now is helping to educate the public, um, educate my clients. And, you know, I, I, I have been able to lock in um, a few clients. And what I mean by that is, is grab a, a rate that makes sense for them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people who are wanting to refinance that we're just floating with the market. That means we're not locked in yet. And we're waiting for that opportunity that the rates do come down. And there, there might be various waves throughout the day that maybe rate does make sense to lock in for a client. But th- this is not normal that's happening, and it's very, very complicated. So I would say the best thing that anybody can do is, you, number one, you can't shop for a rate. Um, what you got to do is you got you to gotta find a mortgage lender that, that number one, they're, they're uh, professional. Number two, they, are, um, they know what they're talking about. They're, they're leaning into the market, right. quite a bit, and they're open in regards to their communication with their clients. Yeah, stick with them. That's it. I'm so now you you kind of talk a lot of like high level things that you know as 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 we speak. I might I definitely didn't quite follow you in some of the parts um, that or the things that you were discussing right now or that you were trying to explain. So just to because I was under uh, one of those people under the impression that what the uh, uh, Fed was doing was cutting the rates on mortgages. So you did mention it is not that then. So what they're doing, and just to make sure I'm following you, is they were cutting what part of the, now that I'm thinking about what part of the... Um, yeah, the Fed funds. So they, they, they decreased the, the, the uh, what's called the, the Fed funds rate or the discount rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the rate that they charge their banks, okay? That's the rate that they charge banks to borrow money, okay? Mm-hmm. They're basically giving banks zero percent, or to 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 borrow money from. Got so, it. Got it. Got it. So that that's like the wholesale. Okay. So yeah. now banks, they have overhead and they have stuff that they have to do, so they can lower the the prime rate. So the, the, prime, the rate that they the, loan you. The right. That's the what they loan you, and they they will you know that rate plus a margin, like that be prime plus zero or prime, prime plus three, prime plus four, whatever. You know, credit card's a little bit more riskier. So as you know, they have a higher, higher interest rate, mm-hmm. but prime has gone down. The prime went from five and a quarter percent down to three and a quarter percent. So, um, now that makes so sense. yeah, again, it's trying to stimulate people you know, to, to, to borrow money, put stuff on credit cards, to mm-hmm. um, get a car loan. Um, yeah, you know, the economy to, is going. Yeah, to keep the economy going, exactly. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that the Fed did was they did, they, they, <clears throat> they tried to create um, a, an opportunity for the, for the mortgage rates to go down as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and do very good. And because mortgage rates are tied to the, the 10 year treasury bond mm-hmm. and 
the 10 year treasury bond is a very, very safe place to put money mm -hmm. um, where the stock market is not performing. Right. Well, when, when you see people take money out of the stock market, they put it in the bond market. And when those, when they put money in the bond market, that causes the rates to go down and the, for, for the, for the, like for the treasury, but then it, it has an effect on mortgage rates, which causes mortgage rates to go down. Well, this time when they did it, because there's so much fear, that's mm -hmm. what took money out of the stock. Mm -hmm. they, they, and they didn't want to put it in the bond market because they, 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 they there was just a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. And so um, they're, they're holding their positions in cash, which yeah. is kind of crazy. So anyways, that, that's where that's we're dealing with right now. Just a lot of uncertainty and it's hard to predict. And again, this is one of these things that that's um, the you know the, the Mr. Consumer does not know and understand, and it's our role to to help them understand, but also to stay in communication with them, because the only thing that the consumer is interested in is, hey, I'm trying to refinance my home. Is it is it should I lock and should I float? And I'm saying float, and what I mean by that is we're not going we can't lock into a rate, but whenever the rates do come down. We're going to grab it and we're going to lock it in for you. So then hopefully we can close it in the next 30 to 60 days. Um, what are some of the foundations that a person should look when they're thinking about buying a house? Yeah, I think the first thing that they need to do is um, uh, they, they, they should talk to the, their mortgage person first. A lot, and, and at the same time, uh, a realtor. They shouldn't be looking for a home just yet. But to do some morning plan, some mortgage planning with their mortgage lender, uh, and some of those foundations are going to be to to pull up credit, to pull up to to pull their credit, to check their debt to income ratios, uh, to check the amount of reserves that they have for the payments. Um, you, you know, just just making sure that they qualify for the that they're looking to purchase or the or help them determine what is the right size house for them um, and, and but the other thing is some just some of the foundations I, I like to make sure that the client is because they're about ready to purchase a big asset or mm -hmm. uh, um, and, and it could be maybe their biggest asset if they're not working with a financial advisor I really try to find out if they are or not. Mm -hmm. uh, if they're not, I, you know, I would really like them to talk to their financial advisor or let me refer them um, to one. And we have a great one in our network that we both know. Yeah. And, you know, because there, there's, there's a lot of things that need to be taken into consideration um, as well, um, you know, as it relates to the affordability of the home. Obviously, we can we can determine for them based off of whether they qualify or not. Mm -hmm. But their financial advisor can help them make sure they understand can they afford that or not. Right, and you know, I love that you put that into perspective because some people don't think about that. It's like, oh, I just want to buy a house. Um, right. But having all the financials taken care of, like before, makes it even easier for you. I'm assuming, obviously. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to help them being good stewards of their money. Absolutely, and that, that's that's one of the that's one of the reasons why you know I just 
love talking to you because you're so enlightening in, in many things and definitely uh, i really appreciate all the information um so in your um in your eyes you know what makes a, a mortgage transaction successful or um, you know a purchase of a house successful like what's what does that look like for you yeah that's a great question um that is setting the expectations up front with all the parties involved and you know uh, from the realtor um to the the buyer's realtor to the the, the seller's realtor uh and and to the customer and and making sure that the lines of communication are open with everybody so um and and setting those expectations with the client is extremely important in making sure they understand that there are certain deadlines that need to be met on our end whenever we're requesting documentation. So, you know, if, if we have, uh, you know, we sent a checklist of clients, we sent out a checklist to our clients of documents we need to get. And we say we would like, we need to get those in 48 hours. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for that because we need to keep the loan moving forward. Um, because there are contractual deadlines as well, you know, on something called the due diligence date. And those are the, um, the, the, the date that we need to have the loan approved by. So, you, you know, we need to make sure that we're not only performing, but we're getting the client to perform as well. Right. So what I mean by that is to be responsive mm -hmm. in, in, in the um, communication that we give them on documentation we get. So I'm gonna say the, the number one thing is gonna be communication and, and the responsiveness of it. So the responsiveness of the client. That's correct, right. yep. So kind of like, you know, thinking about it in a different perspective, like what are, what makes a mortgage transaction fail or a mortgage deal fail? Um, <laughs> lack of communication. Right. Um, you know, if let's say there's a, if, as soon as an issue or a potential issue comes up, mm -hmm. you need to bring it to the surface. Right. You keep it under a rock. And I'm talking about um, from the mortgage lender to the, to the realtor. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll have situations on our end. Right. Uh, it doesn't happen very often. But let's say on our end, there's something that comes up operationally. Mm -hmm. We got to communicate to all parties right now, hey, this could pose a potential delay. Mm -hmm. right. Well, if, and we, we got to take responsibility for it and then try to mitigate that, um, you know, or, or, or alleviate that potential delay. But, um, but that can happen with, you know, something, something could have gone wrong with the inspection mm -hmm. and we didn't get communication of that and, yeah. and again, bottom line is communication. So what are some of the most common mistakes that people do when buying real estate? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say that there's, I think one of the mistakes is people not buying real estate because they think they can't afford mm. or they, they're, so I'm going to take a different approach on this. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot of, um, especially millennials, mm -hmm. are on. <laughs> um, yep. especially millennials that think, well, you know, we can't afford it. 
And um, I, th I think it's just the opposite. I think they can not not afford it because their the, the the cost to rent mm. uh, is a lot um, more than it is than it could be for a mortgage payment. Um, the down payment is not as much as one thinks. So I, th I think the the big thing might be. Um, that of misinformation again, uh, or a, or a paradigm that that some groups or I'm going to group the millennials think that you know I've, you have to have ten percent down or five percent down. Mm. No, that was a little three percent down, and in some cases zero down. Mm. And um, so I, I I think those are. And those are some of the mistakes, um, not jumping into the market and, or, or at least seeing um, that opportunity. But how should someone recognize uh, if they should purchase a home with a mortgage lender or paying cash for it? Well, I've, I recently had that situation where a guy was moving here from California mm -hmm. and he uh, put, uh, it, it, he's buying a house at Lake Norman. Uh, just north of Charlotte, one point two million dollar home, mm -hmm. and he was he put in a cash offer, mm -hmm. uh, and and I happened to get this real, realtor's office at the time, and and I saw this realtor and he said, "Hey Steve, look at this man. I just got a contract, one point two million dollars. There's a cash offer, mm -hmm. and and this is before all this is happening right now with the virus, right? Uh, and I said, I'll tell you what." Um, Joe, why don't you challenge the client or put the client in touch with me? Because if they can get a 3% rate, why would they pay cash when they're almost paying nothing to borrow the money? Wouldn't it be best if they preserved their cash and reinvest it into something else? Well, anyway, um, so the realtor said, do you know what? I'm going to call the client. Well, when he called the client, um, he told me, he said, hey, the client's going to be giving you a call. He called me back, and he was so appreciative of it. Um, and he, the, the reason he was going to pay cash is he thought that he was going to be able to get a better deal. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't the case on that, on that price. Yeah. So anyways, he decided to finance $450,000. So that's $450,000 that he doesn't have to give up. Right, he's to keep in his pocket, and especially what's happening right now, holding yeah. cash is king. Yeah, that's very so. Uh, anyways, it, it everybody's different, mm. but I think those are one of those situations that you want to um, talk to the client, make sure that they understand how cheap money is, and then also talk to their financial advisor to get their second opinion on. Mm -hmm. No, I agree a thousand percent. And you know, you're bringing back so many memories because I used to work in the car, car industry and a lot of people would essentially, it was that exact same scenario repeated in a car purchase. Like some people would like to, or they wanted to pay a hundred thousand dollars of a car in cash versus as you said, how cheap it is borrowing the money, paying, you know, 700 bucks a month and keeping all that cash in their bank. So, yep. Anyway, yep. I'm definitely connected with you on that one.
Um, now, I know that, you know, mortgages, uh, and you would talk about it, or you mentioned it at one of our, you know, BNI um, meetings. Um, and that was kind of like the main uh, difference between talking to a mortgage lender like yourself um, versus going on uh, shopping online or like going online to shop for rates or things like that. Why should someone do that? Or like, why should someone not do that? Or what, how should someone vet kind of like the mortgage company that they're working with? Like, for example, if someone was in California or Colorado or whatever. Right, right. So what somebody should not do is they should not shop rates. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason they should not shop rates is because the rate is only, first of all, it, you can't compare apples to apples. And, and there's a lot of, uh, there can be some unscrupulous practices out there. Mm -hmm. And what you do is shop a mortgage lender. And um, in, in today's market, as a loan officer, we got to be more of an advisor than ever before because um, the, the rate is not good until you are at the closing table. And I have seen situations where, you know, said I, I had a situation where a client left me for a quarter percent lower rate and went to an online platform. Mm -hmm. Well, started to contact the realtor saying, I think we made a mistake. I can't get up with anybody at this younger number. I have some important questions I need to ask. Um, as soon as I talk to somebody, they transfer me to somebody else. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and then I see another email from the realtor copy me on what this client was saying, said, well, you, you know, now I, they didn't order the appraisal before the due diligence period was up, and, which means that, um, um, the due diligence period, if the appraisal comes in lower after the due diligence is up, then there's no nothing you can leverage yourself to renegotiate the price if the mortgage if the appraisal comes in lower. Well, sure enough, on this client, the appraisal came in thirty thousand dollars lower, and um, man, <laughs> so it cost them thirty thousand dollars to go with another company hmm. and. Um, and, and again, it's lack of communication, um, being a good advisor, uh, keeping them, a, keeping the client accountable to certain dates um, of documents in, and and you, you know you're you're kind of if you go with a with some of the online platforms, you're just kind of out there all on your own. Mm -hmm. And um, this is a this transaction is extremely complicated. Yeah. There are a lot of moving parts and, and it almost takes, you know, we got to play a role of an advisor. We got to play a role as a counselor. Sometimes I've got to talk people off the ledge um, just because, you know, there, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of documentation that is required. And, and sometimes you just got to coach them and help them hang in there yeah. and kind of make it as easy as possible. So, that's that's um, look for loan look for a lender some that is uh, local that is uh, relational um, that is um, in tune with the market and and has great reviews. I mean that's the other thing. Look at their reviews. Okay. I, I completely agree with you on that one. So Steve. You know, before we wrap up the podcast, what is one thing that you wish all people knew about mortgages? 
Hmm. Um, that it's not always about the rate. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyways, where can people, well, yeah, where can people find you? And is it, you know, just so that people are clear, is it just for North Carolina do you work with or is it for? No, we, I, I am licensed in North Carolina and South Carolina. South Carolina. Um, mortgage lenders are licensed in certain states. So right. I'm in North Carolina and South Carolina, but we, we have offices and actually uh, our parent company has offices in I think 48 states. Um, our company, Element Funding, our division, and we're, we're based pretty much throughout the Southeast, uh, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina. Um, and so, um, and where can but, people find you? In the, uh, yeah. So my, my, my website is www.stevekinsler.com. It's K I N Z L E R Steve Kinsler.com. And my cell phone is 704-906. 4339. We have two offices in Charlotte, one at Lake Norman and one down in Ballantyne. Awesome. Steve, I really appreciate all the information that you've provided. It's been mind blowing and I, I truly, truly appreciate this conversation. And, uh, you know, I hope everything is safe for you and your, or that your family stays safe and, you know, everything goes well. And um, I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Arlon. I appreciate you and what you're doing for the business community. Awesome. Thank you so much, Steve. Have a good one, and I look forward to seeing you again next time. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.